Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Well, 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 what's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? High noon on a Monday afternoon. That could only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory for the next 120 minutes here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. And between the two of us, we have a decade of NFL experience. No further questions. You already know the drill. You want to get involved over the next two hours? You want to talk to the most legendary hockey pond player in all of Pennsylvania? You know the drill. Yins know the drill. On Twitter, that's where you find us, at Wesley Euler at TheBody52. TheBody. Rocking and rolling on a Monday. and Or is it rolling and a rocking? Rolling and a rocking and shaking and a moving and a... Doing our two-step? Doing our little two-step. What's up, Mozi? How we doing? How was your weekend? Man, my weekend was amazing. I got to watch NASCAR, even though... Your new even favorite, though... Your new favorite sport... Holy cow, this is my only issue with NASCAR right now, man. Okay, football, you play through the rain. If it's light and delay, obviously you got to take a break. Sure, I got sure. that. Basketball is inside. Baseball, after a certain amount of time, they'll just call it. Yeah, we'll play a doubleheader next week. NASCAR race started at 3.30 yesterday, Wes. <clears throat> 3.30. Like a.m. or p.m.? P.m. Okay. 3.30 okay. p.m. Okay. But due to the, the lightning, you know what time the race started back up? Probably close to midnight. It's probably around 8 o'clock. Was it really? No exaggeration. We literally sat there for about five and a half hours on lightning delay. I know you were locked in and glued to the TV. I I was, but but this is my problem. Five hours, okay, cool. If I'm watching it for five hours, okay, cool. I can't wait five hours on a scheduled three thirty event. (laughs) You realize it was almost midnight when this race ended. I was just like, yo, my attention span. What am I doing here? It's gone right now. Shot. Yeah. And, I, and I've had to do that before as well with NASCAR. And That's, I was like, you know what? I said, I, I did it before. I could do it again. It hurt, though. God, that was hurting, man. That's why I don't like races that are in Miami. Because mm. it's too much rain and lightning down there, man. The weather's never good. Yeah. It's never good. I don't like it when the weather's a factor. Gosh, and, man. And you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of, like, running track in high school. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. I, Arthur Motes, I was a specialist. Ooh, okay. I, I like ran. how you said that. Specialist. <laughs> I ran the 1600 and that was it. Oh my gosh. I ran the mile and track. What type of person does that? And that I don't know if we've had this talk. Before. Oh. Uh, Arthur Motes, my mother was a marathon runner. Oh my gosh. She ran 19 of them things in her lifetime. Those, yeah. That, that's, mm-hmm. And a bunch of half marathons and a bunch of 10Ks and 5Ks. And my mom's run the Boston Marathon and she's run the New York Marathon and the Paris Marathon. Wow, and man. Honolulu, all that stuff. I was not that much of a distance guy. Dude. But that I takes a special type of person. <laughs> Holy it's, 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 cow. I think the only thing worse is the 400. The 400 is the worst. We discussed this last week on crazy. the show listen, when we were talking listen. about the Olympics. The 400 is about as long as it gets. Okay? Yeah. Anything only, other than that? It's only one lap, but it's about as long as it listen, gets. Listen, one lap is more than enough. <laughs> and when they want to do the, the, was it the, 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 the four by four? Yeah. I'm like, I, I, no, mm-hmm. no. Mm. Why? Who wants to run that many laps? It's stupid. So Arthur Motes, I was a uh, I was a sixteen hundred guy, right? Four mm-hmm. laps, one mile on the track. That is the only event that I did. So you were the guy at practice. Everybody just looked at like, oh, Wes is Wes is over there. 
Is he on the team? Sort of, kind of. Right. <laughs> no one really talks did, to him. Though. I did my own thing in practice. Yeah, you're right. I would like, I'd run like two or three miles yeah. with the cross country kids, and then, yep. I, and then I'd leave. Then I was, at, then I was off the hockey practice. Yeah, yeah that, that was it. Yes. Wow. It, it, that kind of those long delays always make me think back to those track and field events, right? Because mm-hmm. it's the same thing on those days. Like you're finishing it regardless of what the weather is. Yeah. And for me, you know, like the mile is normally towards the end. Like you normally get a lot of the. Yeah. You, know, you get the. Like the qualifiers, right? And then, but then towards the end, then you have the mile, and then you have all the final heats of all the qualifying races. But but that's at like the big events. Yes. When this is a regular track meet, nah, you just put them super long races at the at end. The Everybody's thinking, oh, they're, right. hey, and I say we out of here. So regardless, I was always at the end, and there were times, you know, where it's raining, it's thundering, it's lightning, and I know, right? Like I've got a, I've I've got like a five six minute <laughs> event, right? You know, right. it's it's gonna take me a little under six minutes to run this mile. And I gotta sit here, and I gotta sit here, and I gotta sit here. It, it does. It drives you crazy. Like for those drivers to just sit around and wait for all that time. Well, I mean, it got to the point where they were getting out their cars and going back to their campers. I don't know what else doing you would do. interviews in the middle of the campers, just chilling. And then, and then at one point, this is the thing that got me the the ultimate pump fake. At one point, they got back in the car. Oh no! Drove the two like warm up laps, and then it lightened again. I was like, oh, this is nuts. I'm just teasing you. <laughs> like, like, literally, I had time to sit here with my wife, talk about what we were going to eat, cook what we were going to eat, eat what we were going to eat, <laughs> and then come back, and it still wasn't back on. I'm sitting like, babe, look, this is, I, I ain't got it right now, all right? I don't have it. This is crazy. This is out of control. It's, it's certainly those sports where a lot of times you, have to, you sit around for three, four, five, six hours, and then, all right, now it's go time. I mean, it takes a lot of mental... Listen, Mental dexterity. I felt bad for Alvin Kamara. You know, it was the big thing yesterday because it was his first <laughs> yeah. NASCAR event. He was there supporting Bubba Wallace, all this other good <laughs> stuff. And sure enough, I said, ooh, wait. I said, you think I got it bad right now? At least I could turn the channel. At least I could go watch a TV show. Right. We started watching, you know, just reruns. I said, at least we could do that. At least we can go make some dinner. I said, at Alvin Kamara is stuck there. He's just sitting there. Just sitting there. I don't care how nice of a suite it is. It ain't that nice. <laughs> not not for ten hours. It ain't. Oh, I don't care. Mm, no hard pass. Because he was there. He was there even before the main cup race. I'm sure. So he was there. Because like, he was probably taking all, it all in yeah. all day, and they're showing him around. Absolutely. And this is where we do he was this, on the social media for NASCAR. Yep. I'm like, dude, that's a long day. I said, yeah, I feel bad. I said, nope. Mm-mm. I was like, I was talking to my wife. I said, we're gonna go to an event now. We're gonna do that. But I was like, I'm glad it's not this one. We're going somewhere in the north where we don't have to worry about the rain. <laughs> That's where we're going. It's all fun and games in Miami until it starts raining all somewhere day. Somewhere end of July, early August yep. where you know it's going to be nice out. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it's, uh, it's a good way to roll. That's a good way to yeah, roll. That, that was just unreal, man. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler with you here on a Monday. We are rolling along a full week plan this week, Arthur Motes, and I think it's time we kind of lay out the outline of what this week is going to look like, all right? So if you're one of our loyal listeners, you've heard us kick this around, but for those of you who might have missed it or or just joining us, we've got this once-and-for-all type idea, right, where we take debates that Steelers fans have, and again, this is all around the (laughs) – this is a joke we've made many times over the last few weeks. It's like the gold rush here again, but instead Mm -hmm. of rushing for gold, we're all mining for content, for sports content, for things to talk about, right? So what we're going to do this week – is every single day is going to be kind of a different themed day. And we're going to once and for all settle Steelers fan debates, the debates that we all have, 
you know, when we're tailgating on Sundays, when we're hanging around with family and watching football over Thanksgiving, when the when the whole gang gets together and your grandpa's telling you that Terry Bradshaw is the greatest quarterback and you're telling your grandpa he's crazy because Ben Roethlisberger averages more completions in a game than Terry even averaged uh, attempted passes. All these things that we debate as Steelers fans. Moats and I are going to settle once and for all this week, and we start today, Uh Arthur Moats, with the greatest wide receiver in Steelers history. And man, there are some names. I mean, you can go back to the 70s and the Swans and the Stalwarts. You can go more recently, right, with the Heinz Wards and the Antonio Browns and the Santonio Holmes. You can go kind of in between those eras with Louis Lips, Yancey Thigpen, Louis, Mike DeKid Wallace. Whew. Plexico Burris. Plax. I, I mean, there seven, baby. are a lot of wide receivers. That's something that we love to debate as Steelers fans. But Moats came in here with, I don't even know if a curveball is right, maybe a, a precursor. Mm, and, a precursor? And, an appetizer, if you will. Oh, all right, okay. Ooh. We're getting exotic in here. So before Moats and I uh, kick around, right, who we think is the best wide receiver, the greatest wide receiver to ever wear the Stellar's uniform. The st- Stellar's. Arthur Motes, right now, as it stands, on mm-hmm. what's today's date? June 15th, 20, 2020. The year of our Lord, 2020. June 15th. Ah, uh, yes. Who's got the best wide receiver group in the AFC East? In the Steelers' division, there's, mm. some, there's some really talented receivers in this division. Who's got the best crop, in your opinion? Dante, this is unique. This is this is this is what I was hoping for, man. A nice, healthy debate. <laughs> That's all we got now, and we're on like what month number three without nice. sports here. All we got now is embracing debate. Nice, healthy debate. I mean, because when we talk the Cleveland Browns, we know what they're rolling with. Mm-hmm. Odell, we know that. Jarvis, mm-hmm. and, and like you said, we're gonna keep it strictly, strictly. Wide receivers. Wide receivers. No We're not talking ends. tight ends. We're not adding in running backs. Yep. Because I know people will be like, well, we're, we, we got to add in Ebro. We got to add in. I, I don't want. No, 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 no. That's a totally different position. We're talking strictly wide receivers. Just wide receivers. No Just tight ends. Outs. No, uh, well, you know, Joe Mixon catches the ball really well yeah, out of the I, backfield. I, I, I don't want to hear none of that. I don't. Wide receivers. Today Just is wide, wide receiver day on the program. And, man, when I'm thinking about it, though, when I'm saying to myself, best wide receivers. I mean, obviously, I do think the Cleveland Browns are up there. I mean, because like you said, when we're looking at the receivers in this division, who is better than a Odell Beckham right now in the division? People yeah. could say A.J. Green, say but you as could have of argued lately, A.J. Green, but he didn't play last year. Yeah, he didn't play last year. And then the past, what, two years now, he's been pretty much dinked up banged up, dealing with injuries. I understand people will say, well, Odell has dealt with some injuries as well, but Odell has still been largely more available, and his impact has been felt at a lot higher rate than an A.J. Green. Correct. I think that's fair. And then, like I said, with the Steelers, we don't have any – I mean, Juju is a, a really, really good emerging receiver in this league, but even him, he's not in the same category as a Odell Beckham right now. Right. And that's, I think – what you first have to decide in this conversation is, do you value the top-end talent? Mm-hmm. 
or are you more of a depth guy? Do you want the third and fourth wide receiver to, to be strong because as well, that's too? Difference. That, that's a big difference when you're talking Huge about difference. that. Huge difference. Huge difference. So let's take our first break here, Motsi. On mm-hmm. the other side, Arthur Motes and I will give our, our, this is fun, man. our answers, right? So I think we could kind of parse this in two ways. Who has the best high-end talent and who has just the complete group from top to bottom that you would want the most? We will give our answers to that when we return on the other side as well as to start to get into this debate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who is the greatest ever to wear the black and gold at the wide receiver position? That is the topic du jour today, and we've got an hour and 45 minutes to settle this once and for all. So stick with us inside the Electric Factory. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wide receiver day today on the program. And before we get to debating the Steelers' illustrious history. Illustrious. Illustrious. You like that? I like that a lot. With wide receivers. Arthur Motes and I want to look at the division first here. So, all right, Arthur Motes, we decided we were going to do this in two different ways, right? Top to your talent, and then mm-hmm. overall depth. So which one do you want to rank first? You want to go by top to your talent first or yeah, by depth? top to your talent. Okay. That's all that matters. Let's be real about we're it. We're starting at the top of the list or we're we starting at the it. back of the list? How you want to start it, man? How about the top of the list? All right, let's go backwards then. <laughs> you. 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 All right, I'll go ahead and do it. I'll break the ice. I'll give the unpopular take here. I think in terms of... I don't even know if it's an unpopular take. In terms of top-tier talent, the Browns have the best amongst the wide receivers in okay. the division. I Listen, you could say what you want about the under a lot of different reasons, right? Baker wasn't as good last year as people thought he was going to mm-hmm. be. Odell Beckham, it's been widely reported that he was dealing with injuries the whole year. Maybe Jarvis Landry just kind of is what he is at this point. I still, if you're looking at the top two receivers for every team in the division, I think the Browns have, have the the cream of the crop talent-wise in that regard. No, I agree with that, As man. we sit here today. Yes. As we sit here today. Bengals no one, could change that. Steelers could change that. But right now, it's it's tough to argue otherwise. Yeah, I think knowing what we know today, it's definitely safe to say that the Browns have the most talented top tier. But I do think it's not as far as, we would, as we're making it. Right. I agree with I, that. I, and I think this is where we might differ. I like Cincinnati a lot in terms of with A.J. Green when healthy. When healthy? A.J. Green is a top, what, top 10, mm-hmm. some debate, top five receiver mm-hmm. in the NFL. For a long time, he was top Absolutely. five, without a doubt. And then, obviously, Tyler Boyd, what he was able to do, mm-hmm. and like you said, the same argument that we could make with Baker having a down year, Tyler Boyd can definitely make the same case for himself with the quarterbacks that he played with last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, when he's been with uh, Andy Dalton, predominantly, his success has shown. It's been productive. When he's been out there with the A.J. Green, his success is shown. And then you're factoring in T. Higgins, who was, what, a first-round pick as well. With that being said, I mean, we're still projecting with him, but just based on where he was drafted. And they still got John Ross on the roster, yeah. too, who was a first-round pick. Absolutely. So, to me, I still think that they're in that conversation. I, I think so, too. So, you, you would have the Bengals, too? I would, yes. Okay, I did, too. And, and, and then Steelers, three, in terms of top talent. It's, I don't think there's a ton of gap there, right? Like, Correct. If we're just talking in terms of pure talent, man, 
four or five weeks into this next season, we go, yeah, look at Juju and Deontay Johnson. Right. That doesn't Absolutely. even take into account what Chase Claypool could be. Mm-hmm. But I do think, Moats, in terms of both of these conversations, top talent and depth-wise, I think the Ravens are, at, are kind of at the bottom of the pecking order here. They've got some really young players who could certainly end up becoming good wide receivers. Hollywood Brown, obviously. Mm-hmm. I, I like Miles Boykins. I was going to say I like their yeah. selection. Devin Duvernay, I think, could fit nicely mm-hmm. into that offense. But just right now, what have again, especially when you're looking at, like, hey, we're saying some of that same stuff about Juju, correct? But none of the Ravens wide receivers have had the two productive years like Juju did his first two mm-hmm. years in the league. Uh, so I, I think that there's uh, the Browns, Steelers, and Bengals are all pretty close. I think the gap honestly comes between the Ravens. I really do. I, I in agree. In this specific wide receiver discussion. But but I think – We're not talking tight ends either. Correct. None of that stuff. And I was going to say, I think when you talk about the Ravens' offense, what do they specialize in? Running the ball. They want to run the ball. Mm-hmm. They want to run the ball, and then they want to take a shot. So with that, their roster is constructed that way. Yes. When we get to the running back conversation, when we talk tight end conversation – They'll be up there. Oh, yeah. It won't even – in some instances, it won't even be close. Yeah. <laughs> But you could just see where they prioritize their players mm-hmm. and their playmakers. Whereas with the other three teams in the division, it's not the same. With the other three teams, some is a little more balanced, but you could just tell the difference in philosophy and mindsets and what they're trying to accomplish from an offensive standpoint with the person. Like Willie Sneed, you know, like he is a very good blocking Correct. wide receiver. Correct. Yeah. Not that he can't catch the ball. That's not what I'm saying. That's but not that's, what he's, but that's the way their roster is yes, built. And that's absolutely. That's the way it should be. If that, if you want to be a team that prides yourself on running the ball, you shouldn't have a bunch of speedy burners. You shouldn't on the have outside. a lot of Hollywood Browns out there. Right, right, exactly. You you should have those those thicker bodies that are are, are willing to get you know a Heinz Ward, if you will. I type. mean, when you look at the receiver group, though, they got sauce. They do. <laughs> they got some big bodies, man. They really do. Everybody's Devin like, well, they got du- little receivers. Look at Hollywood. I'm like, he's like he's the, the only, only one, one under five nine. Yeah. Everybody Devin else Duvernay's six four big five. Dude. Everybody's averaging about 200, 190. Like, these are big body guys, man. They have a prototype there. <laughs> uh, what's his their general Their new general manager from last, Eric DaCosta, right? Yeah. Isn't that his name? He's, uh-huh. he's got a type, Motsi. Okay? Mm-hmm. You know, some people say, I ain't got no type. Eric DaCosta has a type. Without a doubt. <laughs> you can see it. And he's starting to fill the roster with him, yeah. So, I think we have the same list in terms of top talent, right? Browns, Bengals, Steelers, Ravens. Yes. Depth. Who you got at number one? I've got the Bengals at number one for depth. I was, I'm I'm literally, I was sitting here debating between them and Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. That's my one and two. I got the Steelers at two. Because even if we think, okay, A.J. Green, maybe he's lost a step. He's Mm -hmm. coming off a significant injury. Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, John Ross. I mean, Alex Erickson's been there (laughs) for a minute, too. Super consistent. That's a talented group. I mean, they've got four or five guys that we think can play on Sundays. Yes, that's, without a doubt. That's, Absolutely. That's depth right there. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you said, four or five guys that we know can play on Sundays. One guy who has a chance to, if when healthy, to be a top five talent. And then Tyler Boyd is a top 15 receiver mm-hmm. easily. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. He, he had over 1,000 yards receiving no, last I know. year Absolutely. without Andy Dalton. And then the year before that where he got the contract extension, he still was right in that was eight, eight something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so – 800-some yards last year, Yeah, so when you're factoring in that, I mean, Tyler Boyd is definitely an above-average receiver in this league. Yes. Oh, 100%. Yeah, so so I'm with you on that. When we're talking about the depth, like I said, for me, my whole argument was, okay, where do I value A.J. Green at this moment? Mm -hmm. And, And 
for the people, because I know Steel Nation will quick to be like, well, he's hurt, he's banged up, he's old, he's done. But then people can make that same argument about Juju from the hurt standpoint, from the him not being able to consistently do it without a true number one out there. So that argument goes both ways. So I'm thinking in my mind, if I'm going to make this argument for Juju, then I still have to pay that same type of respect for A.J. Green. And ultimately, that's the approach I'm going with. I'm going with, okay, I know he was banged up last year, and the quarterback situation was horrific. And that's that. But I do think going forward with the Joe Burrow, who is going to be a big upgrade, now I think it will take some time just because of how this offseason has played out, which we already talked about. They're going to have less time to get acclimated. But from a talent standpoint, that's going to be one of the best, like in terms of talented quarterbacks that he's played with in his career. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, where did he go to college again? Eh. He did go to Georgia. Who was the quarterback? Well, who was the quarterback while he was there, though? Oh, wait. was Matthew Stafford, wasn't I it? I want to say it was. Okay, so never mind. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's when he got in trouble for the jerseys. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He got suspended for two or three mm-hmm. games. Absolutely. I think it was Matthew Stafford, actually. You're right. Which is funny because, like, that's maybe the last great quarterback they've had there. With all, with all respect to your Buffalo Bills boy, Jake Fromm. First off, <laughs> that is not my boy. That is not your boy. We can just clarify that right Let's now. Let's just clarify that right okay. now. I, yeah, you're right. I totally forgot that Matthew Stafford and AJ, they were yeah. like, they were mm-hmm. knocking on the door of the national championship no, a, couple, absolutely. a couple of those years down there. Mm-hmm. I mean, because they, they were stacked on defense, as always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jarvis Jones, mm-hmm. right, I think was part yeah, of those absolutely. defenses. Jarvis, I forgot the linebacker, but they always had like three or four linebackers yeah. that were going early. Yeah. That was kind of the start of what, where Georgia is now as a program. Yes, yes. Like, that's what really, uh, you know, they were a top 15 program. Now mm-hmm. they're like a top five, top seven. Yes. Yeah. That, it wasn't that the was, coach of Mark, Mark Rick. Mark Richt. Yeah, he yep. was down there. And he, Absolutely. he went to Miami went after to Miami, that. went to Miami, went to the U, yep. And then they t- mm-hmm. they now have Kirby Smart, who yes. was the Alabama defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. played football at Georgia. Yeah. A lot of moving parts there in the SEC always. Yes, Those coaches indeed. jump from program to program all hey, the time. Hey, man, you know how it goes. <laughs> um, one thing in the depth – in the depth discussion that I think could change very quickly, and I would say, I mean, hey, I guess with the Bengals you could argue this too, right? Because if, if T. Higgins bursts onto the scene and has a really good year, we'd be saying the same thing. But Chase Claypool is a big X factor for me in this discussion. Mm-hmm. Because, man, if you've got Juju and Deontay Johnson as what we're capable of uh, you know, playing at the level that we know they're capable of, correct? then you've got James Washington who, hey, we might all think he's never going to be a superstar, but he is certainly a capable, serviceable Wide oh, receiver to play on Sundays who's doubt. going to have a lengthy career in the National Football League. Chase Claypool is a different body type, a different receiver type than all those guys. Man, Motsi, again, without being redundant, we have talked a lot about how it's going to be. you got to curve your expectations for rookies this season. Correct. It's going to be a weird season for rookies with the lack of off-season programs, hands-on off-season programs. But, man, Chase Claypool is a real X factor in this for me because – he could be that A.J. Green type. You know what I mean? The tall, go up and get it, combat catch with mm-hmm. the speed to still run the nine route mm-hmm. down the field. And besides A.J. Green, Chase Claypool might be the only other guy like that in the division that has the now, size see, and speed combination. I'm glad you said that because the same argument we're about to make for this Chase Claypool, what about T. Higgins? T. Higgins. And yeah. T. Higgins was drafted substantially higher, higher yes. for a reason. So I understand here in Pittsburgh, our job is to what? We, we're going to – promote and pump our players, which we should do because we're fans, right? We believe in our guys more than probably other teams would. But if we're just looking at this from a, all right, where did both of these guys get drafted? Where were both of these guys at in terms of success at the collegiate level? 
we weren't even thinking of a Chase Claypool compared to a T. Higgins. Like, let's be real about it. I mean, prior to the draft, I guarantee you probably 50, 60% of Steel Nation didn't even know who a Chase Claypool, Chase Claypool was, but everyone knew T. Higgins. So for me, as high as we want to get on Chase Claypool, that's a fair point. T. Higgins is still going to be viewed as a higher prospect, a higher level of success just because of what we knew about him at the highest level. We saw it numerous times, and his draft status backs that up as well. Both born in. Oh, T. Higgins was born early '99. Jeez, he's young. Mm-hmm. He's young. Like he just turned, just turned 21. twenty-one. Just turned twenty-one. Six four two fifteen. And Chase yeah. Claypool is about to be twenty-two next month. So he's older. <laughs> I'm gonna say, are you really about to do math, that math, bro? He's, he's, it is not that serious. Uh, they're both six foot four. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. Yeah, I mean, Claypool's two thirty-eight. Higgins mm-hmm. is two fifteen. But it's very similar body type. No, that's a great point by you. I don't know what it is. Maybe yeah, one because played the way, at Clemson. Maybe because the way he played at Clemson, mm-hmm. I always. In my mind, think of T. Higgins as more of a slot burner guy. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think of him as the six foot four big body, just because mm-hmm. of the way he played at Clemson. But he, but, but he this is my thing. At Notre Dame, when did we think that Chase Claypool was Megatron, or when did we think that he was this big blazer? Remember how puzzled and surprised all of us were when we saw his forty time because we were like, oh, oh, oh mm-hmm. he runs a what? Because when we t- when we turned the tape on, we said, okay, he could block his tail off. We knew that. That showed off off like, right away. That showed. He's got it pinned on his Twitter Correct. profile. He likes to but, break but, face masks. But please tell me when we watched the tape before they released his forty time, where you said this guy's a blazer. This guy can flat out run. He's creating separation. We said combat catch, yes. But not once do we look at the tape and say he's pulling he's pulling away from people. When you watch T Higgins, what did you say to yourself? He's fast. Fast. He, he <laughs> That's plays. Why I thought he was going to play slot correct. receiver in the NFA. He's shifty, man. But when you look at the size, I mean, it's a 15-pound difference. Other than that, they're the exact same. But for me, I'm just looking at my T plays faster. When you're watching him on tape, oh, he, definitely he does. plays faster. Yeah, and that's my biggest a, that's my under, biggest dilemma with he's underrated, man. You're no right. Question. Like it, as a first round pick, he's still underrated, which is crazy to me. But that's why he, for, I thought he was their first pick in the second round. I mean, excuse, excuse but, me, you're right, but, you're right. I mean, yes, yes, thirty yes. third overall. 30, yeah, thirty third. Yeah, you can pick in the he top was a first 40. round. Yeah, he yeah. was a first round pick. Yeah. Let's be real about it. Yeah, uh, man, that, that's a good call by you because so, so that's my. That's I always my forget he's six foot four it, as well. For some reason, I think he's like five, one of these five eleven no, guys. No, no, he's a bigger body receiver. Mm, he's six foot four, two fifteen. So when we're talking about an AJ Green, I'm like, dude. That's that's what they tried that's to draft. They, that's what they tried to draft. That's exactly what they tried to draft. Yeah. And, 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 and the reason I'm higher on T than I am with Chase is because at least we knew for a fact Pedigree. the productivity yeah. that was with T. Now, granted, quarterback play does have a bigger deal with that because sure. we know the Notre Dame quarterback at the time was not on the same level, not even close Trevor to, to Mr. Tank for Trevor. Wasn't even Sunshine. close to that. Okay? Sunshine. So, so I do think that has to bring context. I also think the players that were around T – Goes into context as well, but you can make the same debate because who was the first the, the first skill position from the Notre Dame uh, fighting Irish that got drafted this year? It was not Chase. It wasn't. It was a tight end. It was a Cole Komet. So even with that, I'm like, all right, Chase, you had another dog on your team, another guy who went first round. So when I'm factoring all of these things, for me, I still I just can't personally put Chase above T as things sit today. Like I said, once the season starts and we get a chance to see what these guys look like, how their game 
translates to the NFL level, that's a different conversation. But as of right now, as we sit here today, just based off of what we know, I'm higher on T than I am Chase. It's fair. I mean, for every reason that you just laid out, that's fair. More productive in college, drafted. I can do the quick math on this one. 16 spots higher in the draft. Yeah, mental math. Yeah. And I mean, let's be real. Some people still thought he was going to be a first-round pick. Oh, absolutely. No question they did. If it wasn't for how just insane of a year for wide receivers this draft was. He he would be a first-rounder. Yeah. And that, that played a part into that as well. Speaking of uh, did you you know this this whole Clemson Notre Dame dynamic here? Did you see Deshaun Watson and Chase Claypool on Twitter this weekend? No. So you know you know who Taj Boyd is? Yes. I, come on, bro. He's from the crib. Seven five seven's my brother. Right, that's right. I should. He was in here in Pittsburgh for a little while with us too. I should have Come on, man. Don't, don't don't do that to me now. So Taj Boyd, who was the quarterback at Clemson before Deshaun yes. Watson, um, he's now a I don't know who he works for, but he's a sports analyst. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he does what Mozi and I do. Yeah. Uh, he's you know started uh, a podcast. Uh, too, I want to yeah, say. Yeah. He's got a podcast yeah. and he does some you know like I think he does some you know like analyst work yeah, on for, uh, college football mm-hmm. Saturdays and things like that. He tweeted out over the weekend. Is this uh, like you know something about like is this finally the year for Notre Dame football to to really take off? Mm-hmm. Um, and Deshaun Watson quote tweeted it in all capital letters and said H E double hockey sticks no. Ooh. <laughs> to which Chase Claypool replied, "When we play you, I'm talking to our D line coach and I'm coming off the edge." <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> so we got a we got a little Clemson Notre Dame uh, side battle here. Whenever the Houston okay. Texans and the Steelers link up, see <laughs> Chase Claypool telling Deshaun Watson over the weekend, "When we play you, I'm talking to our D line coach. I'm coming, I'm off, coming the edge. off the edge. I like it." <laughs> um, Arthur Motes. All right, so I think we're. We're pretty sa- – I mean, we're pretty good here. You know, the way you're okay. – I'm still leaving the Bengals at two for top talent for now. We got to see it. Oh, yeah, top talent. got to see it. Well, that's my thing. I said at least we know right now from a top talent standpoint of OBJ and a Jarvis. Mm-hmm. Like top-tier talent, You've we know for a fact. Because even if, if both players are healthy, OBJ and A.J. Green, I'm still going OBJ over A.J. Green if both are healthy because I know – just how much more dynamic in the impact on a game that Odell can have with versus AJ. I think so too. Especially now. Mm-hmm. I mean, just w- with the age difference. And AJ Green is still phenomenal. He's not quite as straight line fast. I mean, he's 32 years old. It happened. You know, father. Remember, Motsi, only two people are undefeated. Mm, not two, three. Three. That's right. Steelers Chefs, mm-hmm. Father Time, mm-hmm. and Uncle Sam. No question. <laughs> I, uh, we got some good tweets here, Motsi. I think the people are liking this debate here. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. All right, so, so there you go. That's kind of our, our you know, our dip, us dipping our toe. You know, we just dipped our toe into the, the kiddie pool there. But we're mm-hmm. about to, uh, to cannonball into the deep end when we come back. <laughs> because as we wrap out the first hour here, and I'm sure it'll carry into hour number two, wide receivers in Steelers history, there's been some really good ones. There's been some all pros. There's been pro bowlers. There's been multiple Super Bowl MVPs. Who's the best? Who's the greatest wide receiver to ever wear the black and gold to ever strap him up for the picks? The chosen one. You are the chosen one. God. Once and for all, Arthur oh, and I will settle this debate next. So, just thinking about it, the chosen one. I mean, think God. about it. After after these next oh. after these next uh, you How know thirty you? minutes or show on the program, we'll, we'll never have to debate Steelers wide receivers again. Why would you do this? Moats and I are about to settle it once and for all. <gasps> the chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Stick with us here. We're going to embrace debate around the corner. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Once and for all, Arthur Motes. After today, we'll never again have to debate who is never. the greatest wide receiver in Steelers history. Never, ever, ever. We're going to settle this once and for all. We're going to put this to rest for good. For good. This will be our first today of this week's uh, once and for all type debates, right? Who's the best wide receiver in Steelers history? So I should add as well, too, if you've got a debate you want us to settle. Uh-oh. You let us know on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at TheBody52. TheBody. I'm thinking for tomorrow, Arthur Motes. I'll let the people know before we thinking? get out of here you in a little over an hour. I'm thinking for tomorrow, though, greatest defense in Steelers history. Right? We'll go from offense to defense. Mm. You know, because I want to keep you, you know, we can't do too much <laughs> offense in a row because you'll start getting anxious over there. Not anxious. I'm just going to get mad with you. I think tomorrow we'll go greatest defensive unit in Steelers history. Mm. Boy, that's going to be, we're going to embrace debate all week. And we start today again with the wide receiver debate. Arthur Motes. Man, there are some iconic names. There are some Hall of Famers. There are some Super Bowl MVPs, some all pros from Swan to Stallworth to Ward to Brown. Holmes in between there making arguably one of, well, other than the Immaculate Reception, Whew. the most famous play in Steelers history. We've had Louis Lips and Yancey Thigpen and Mike DeKid Wallace and Plexico Burris. DeKid! Juju Smith-Schuster. And Juju on the beat. Chase Claypool. And Wait, what happened? Oh, Stop you see what I did there? Stop it. So, Arthur Motes, what you want? What you want? What you want? Huh? What do you want? I'm going to let you have first crack at it. No, 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 no. I want I you I know. To you like first. putting me on the spot because yeah. then then if I'm correct, if you agree with what I'm saying, you can say that and add on to it. <laughs> if you disagree with what I'm saying, then you could chop me down like I'm a tall oak tree. I like and it. And you can build your own case. All right, so fine. I'll go first here. All right. Arthur Motes, mm -hmm. this morning when I woke up, all what right? Did you, what did you do when you woke up? I brewed my coffee. I cut an everything bagel in, a ha in half. I put it in the toaster. Popped out of the toaster. Ding! Okay. I put cream cheese on half. I put peanut butter on half. Interesting. I sat down with my bagel and my coffee mm -hmm. and my computer, and I started taking some notes. You did. Arthur Motes, when I sat down this morning, mm -hmm. I had an idea in my mind who I thought was the greatest Steelers wide receiver oh, okay. of all time. But men lie, women lie, uh -huh. and numbers don't. Okay. Arthur Motes. Let's hear it. The greatest wide receiver in Pittsburgh Steelers history. Mm -hmm. I mean, from a statistical standpoint, I already know who this is. It's number 86. Mm -hmm. Heinz Psycho Ward. And like mm -hmm. I said, that is not the answer that I thought that I would get to this morning. Ser from a statistical standpoint? I'm, not, I'm just saying greatest Steelers wide receiver. No, no, no. I, I, I'm with you. I, I was just simply saying that. Most I thought, it was, I thought it was known that A.B. isn't the Steelers' all-time statistical leader Oh yeah, in anything. Nothing. Actually, well, no, anything. 
I don't think. Uh, wait, well, and he is single season leaders, but single not, season, not yes. career. We're talking career. Correct. Yes. Heinz uh, Ward, most receptions, most yards, mm-hmm. and most touchdowns mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh Steelers history. Uh, two-time Super Bowl champion, one-time Super Bowl MVP. Mm-hmm. Changed the game in terms of the way that wide receivers block. Uh, changed the rules. Mm-hmm. I mean, there have been two Pittsburgh Steelers that have changed the rules of football, one on each side of the football. Heinz Ward's one, Mel Blunt's the other. Again, like I said, this is not the answer that I thought that I would come to this morning, Arthur Motes. But the greatest wide receiver in Pittsburgh Steelers history, and again, keyword greatest, is Heinz Ward. <sighs> I'm glad. I'm glad that you went first. Because, see, I thought I was going to have to come up here and go at you and get all worked up, sweating like I'm a Baptist preacher in the South, <laughs> 800 degrees in the church. Packed out, or like you're standing behind a uh, like you're standing behind a barbecue pit yeah. in the south. I thought I was gonna need to do with that. The Jesus today. sandals on, sweating I was it gonna out. Need to do that, but I'm not. I will say this to get it out the way. I do, in my personal opinion, we're talking about the greatest Steeler receiver. I do have Heinz Ward, but I'm mad. Uh oh, because I had a teammate. <laughs> I had a teammate that I saw every single. Just do special after special to the point that special became ordinary. If it was just a one-handed catch, that didn't ooh and ah us anymore. It needed to be a one-hand catch, toe-tap on the sideline while getting hit. It needed to be a game-winner in the back of the end zone, toe-tap, touchdown. Because the order, the special was just ordinary. From a talent standpoint, from a hard work standpoint, we had a chance to see a young man. A young man that was destined for greatness. Destined for that gold jacket. A young man who it wasn't a question of will he be a Hall of Famer, but more so just when. When is he going to retire and get that gold jacket? I was witnessing it every day. And when I tell you he was the chosen one. The chosen one. The man of the people. (laughs) Business was booming. Booming. We called him Ronald. We called him Big Chess. We called him A.B. We called him anything he wanted to be called because he was that awesome. And the numbers backed it up. They certainly do. I mean, when we're talking about career stats, right, just to give you context, okay? So, Hans Ward has, what, I think it's 170, no, 163 more catches, more career catches than A.B. Correct. For yardage, he has... About nine, actually, no, no, no. Yeah, it's about 900 more career receiving yards than A.B. Correct. For touchdowns, he has, was this 11? 11 more. 11 more touchdowns. That's what my math led to as well. But what I need everybody to understand is this. Heinz Ward played in 217 games. A.B. played in 130 Dude, that is insane. You talking about productivity. You talking about kicking butt at one of the highest levels in a span. I mean, like, think about just how short of a span it was and how dominant. You talking 1,000-yard receiving seasons. You talking being the best at your position for multiple years. 
AB was doing that. And we, we had this debate as well. When, when we're thinking about Hines versus, versus AB, AB went on what a what, five, six-year stretch where he was legit the number one receiver in the NFL. Yes. At worst, a debatable two or three. With, at worst. With Julio. Yep. With Julio. With OJ Calvin had his Johnson, year. Couple, Calvin, yep. absolutely. With Hines, when did we ever feel that he was the best receiver in the NFL? Never. When did we ever feel that he was a top three receiver in the NFL? You look at the receivers that were playing during Hines' era. T.O. Moss. Moss. Harrison. I mean, we can go down this list. Chris Carter. Dude, like, not once did we say, yo, Hines is better than these guys. Hines is up here with those guys. In fact, it's not too far-fetched that some people wanted those type of guys on the team. Those Plexico Burris types. Yes, indeed. Yep. So when I think about that, and I think about the body work that AB was able to compile over such a short span, I I mean, without a doubt, his trajectory was going to be so much higher. His trajectory was first ballot Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. That's where he was headed. Mm -hmm. But to his own demise, things happened. The chosen one hurt us. The chosen one. He was. He was the chosen one. I loved you like he a brother. He had a chance to do something special. He had a chance to go from because it's different if you're a, a first, second, third round pick. It's different if you're six one, six two, six three, six four. It's different if you run four two, four three. No, no, no. Not AB. AB was one of the guys that you could relate to. One of the guys that you could love because you say, "Hey, I can see that. I can do." Listen. He's undersized. I'm undersized. He's not the fastest. I'm not the fastest. He just works harder than everybody. He wasn't a first-round pick. I wasn't a first-round pick. So when you see all those things, that's why I think he became the fan favorite. That's why, from a, a love standpoint, he had what he had. But because, like I said, the things transpired how they transpired at the end of his career, it made him come up short. And when we're talking about the best stiller receiver all time, the numbers back up Hines. Yes. Well, you can make the unless you want to go to the argument of, well, who 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 did it on a shorter span? A, a smaller body of work. But then you got to factor in, okay, well, let's talk with some of the older guys, with your your, your Lynn Swans and your uh John Stallworth, because they weren't playing a full 16 game season. Let's be real about it. And then if I really want to go and make that argument, I can say, well. How long did Hines have Big Ben as his quarterback? And at what stage did he have Big Ben? Whereas A.B. for a fact had Hall of Fame-style Big Ben Mm -hmm. for his whole career. Let's be honest here. Antonio Brown has only caught touchdown passes in his career from Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Ben Roethlisberger and one from Tom Brady. So Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer. That factors in a lot when we're talking about this because – we can sit here and make the debate over the statistics and the statistics. Like I said, they back up Hines. But you can make the argument, well, hey, A.B. isn't far off, and he did it in, I mean, dude, what, 70, 80 games less? Which is a valid, valid argument, without a doubt. But when I factor in the other variables, okay, Hines didn't have the same type of quarterback that A.B. had. Hines played in an era where they would run the ball and they still employ fullbacks. Let's be real. 
So when I'm thinking about that, I'm like, hey, not so fast, my friend. No, no, no. <laughs> Lee Corso coming out. Not no so question. fast. So for me, I think when I'm factoring in that as well, then absolutely I'm going Hines. Absolutely. But, man, it just hurts my heart because A.B., A.B. A.B. had a chance to not only be the greatest Steeler receiver of all time, he was going to have the opportunity to go down as one of the all-time NFL greats. And let's be real about it. Regardless of what happens in the future, even if he is reinstated and he does come back to play, it's still never going to be the it's same. It's not going to be the same. It's not going to be the same, man. And that's the part that sucks. You were the chosen one. He was, man. It hurts me, man. It you were supposed me. to bring balance to the force, not destroy it. It was. Like, A.B., come on, man. You were supposed to bring rings to the Steelers organization, not leave us. I was looking forward to you getting your gold jacket and not being there like, yo, that's my dog. That's my dog. Be great. That's my dog. All right, so we both agree the greatest wide receiver in Steelers history is Heinz Ward. Yes. Good, because on the other side here to start hour two, I've got a take for you, an Antonio Brown take. Oh, Motes, man. Motes gave his Antonio Brown piece. I've got to give mine. And I think we also need to talk, Motsy. So if we is, – is this fair? Uh, Ward 1, A, B, 2, that we both have that. Is that is, – are we agree on that? Or do Absolutely. You, okay. Yes. Is it Stallworth or is it Swan that's number three? Or is it somebody else? Do you want me to tell you when we get out of the break? We got to decide that. Hey, now. Hey, number I two would say, yeah, well. we can tell we get out of the break on that one. So all that's on the board. We got a bunch of tweets rolling in here. Continue to get those in. We will get to your questions, comments, concerns, and reactions at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body Sixty in the books. Another sixty to go here on this Monday afternoon. So stick with us inside the Electric Factory. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we doing? Disappointed. Well, that's good. (laughs) Wesley Euler, Arthur Motes, hour number two. Inside the electric factory, you already know the drill. It's Steelers Blitz. On SNR, we're rolling along here on a Monday, hoping to start your week off with uh, a little pep in your step, a little smile on your face. First hour of the show here as part of our uh, our once and for all, our let's settle this for good week as we go gold rushing, gold mining for content here on the program. We are discussing the greatest wide receiver in Pittsburgh Steelers, the illustrious history of the Pittsburgh Steelers, both in general and both at that wide receiver position, Motsi. You had one job. We got Motes still can't get over our formerly of this parish, number 84. He had one job. One job. All right, so should I get into this now? Go ahead, man. You ready for another Eulerism here? Let's hear it. We spent that last segment, right, and we both agreed Heinz Ward is the greatest wide receiver in Pittsburgh Steelers history. Okay. Just like I think, um, you know, Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback in NFL history. Okay. But, Arthur Motes, here's the Eulerism for you. When we have these discussions, I parse a difference between greatest and best. There is a difference. For example, and I think this one will hit home with a lot of our audience from kind of cover every different age group. Mm Mm-hmm. There will never be another basketball player as great as Michael Jordan. It's not happening. But LeBron James is the best basketball player ever. Mm -hmm. 
I think that makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Some people might still not get it, but that's the way that I can put it. Yeah, it's the difference between because like greatness, it's factors ev in everything. your uh, your I mean your uh, yeah accomplishments, your talent, your, hardware, your team successes, team success. Yeah. everything goes into it, where his best is just individual it, it's your talent. Your A plus, who's winning? Right. If Jordan at his best day in a one-on-one -on -one versus LeBron at his best day in a one-on-one. -on -one. If A.B. lines up is his best and Hines lines up at his best, who's getting open versus the best corner? Like, that's the Correct. debate between great and best. Correct. So that's a thing that I always, you know, because these are debates that sports fans, sports networks like to have all the time. Who's the greatest football player ever? Who's the greatest basketball player ever? I always have to differentiate modes. To me, greatest and best is a different conversation. Mm -hmm. Greatest quarterback of all time to me is Tom Brady. I don't know if that's ever going to change either, like the Jordan thing. Six rings is six rings, man, and that is something. But if they're both playing an A-plus game, give me Peyton Manning over Tom Brady. If I'm, well, like, like, at their absolute best, Peyton, Oh, you did that? Peyton Manning oh, is, again, not greater, better... Ooh, that voice again. Tom Brady. Manning. Ooh, so, wait. with that, you know, the kind of Eulerism laid out there. And again, that's my the basic way that I would describe it. Uh, I would say the same thing with Wayne Gretzky, too. No mm -hmm. hockey player is ever going to be greater than Wayne Gretzky. But, dude, Alexander Ovechkin can rip a one-timer much better than Wayne Gretzky. Like, mm -hmm. let's be honest here. He's still trailing Wayne Gretzky in goals. But, dude... Absolutely. The great one couldn't shoot like Ovechkin. I mean, Absolutely. let's just let's just be honest here. So Arthur Motes, with all that in mind, the best wide receiver the Steelers ever had is Antonio Brown. Yeah, without even it's not even a debate. All the career statistical categories that Heinz Ward leads, Antonio Brown leads the single season records. Correct. In that. He's got the he's got the most receptions in a season, most yards in a season, most touchdowns in a season, and he actually led the NFL in those categories. Yeah. Numerous times. Four-time first-team All-Pro. Mm -hmm. Four-time first-team All-Pro. Uh, and Arthur Motes, if you look at it statistically. I'm glad you said All-Pro and didn't bring up Pro Bowls. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, we're not doing that. I don't do that. I don't. Gator, Gator don't play that, Motesy. Uh, Gator Bowl don't play that. <laughs> and if you look, I'll even take it a step further, right? Seven-time, or sorry, four-time All-Pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heinz Ward was never. He was a pro bowler a few times. Never an all-pro. Again, though, he does have that Super Bowl MVP. That is a heck of an accolade. That, that's the trump card. That's the trump that's the card right trump there. Card. But when you're talking just best at their absolute, like, right, you're no other factors except for you're guaranteed to get an A-plus game. Mm -hmm. That's all we're talking. On their best day. I mean, Arthur Motes, look at these years statistically. 14 and 15 that Antonio Brown had. In 2015, he had over 1,800 yards and 10 touchdowns. In 2014, he had 1,700 yards rece receiving and 13 touchdowns. Uh, it's just, if you look statistically at the best five single-season receiving performances in Steelers history, A.B. has three or four of those five years. Yeah. And you would give the other one to either Heinz Ward or Juju. Yeah. I, again, it just hit a little different. Again, when you talk about greatest, all these other things, the fact that Heinz Ward is a two-time Super Bowl champion – with a Super Bowl MVP as well, that factors into the greatest conversation. Oh, without a doubt. When we're talking best, I think it's more of an eyeball conversation, Motsi. I, I really do. And to me, Antonio Brown is on the short list of best wide receivers in NFL history. Yes. Not, not just Steelers. History. And we're saying this, like you pointed out, not about a guy who's 6'3", 6'4", 
and 230 pounds. Mm-hmm. We're, ta- we're saying this about a six-round draft pick who was five foot ten. That dude was a problem for a long, long time. And he just hurts my heart. <laughs> <laughs> it just hurts my heart. <laughs> How could you? How could you do that to me? Gosh. But I got to ask the expert opinion on you, Moats, because, again, you know, like we do here on Steelers Blitz, we've mm-hmm. done our homework, we've got notes, we've done the research, we've got facts, we've got opinions on everything. Arthur Moats, I know that there's a, uh, a portion of our fan base out there listening right now that's like, all right, we'll talk about some – yeah, you're talking about Hines and you're talking about A.B. Well, we've got other great wide receivers. We've got mm-hmm. other Hall of Fame wide receivers. So, mm-hmm. Arthur Moats, I ask you this very loaded question. Who's the third on this list? <sighs> If we can agree, if we can agree, Ward and AB are in the top two slots. Now we can talk. Remember, this is just wide receivers. So while Heath Miller is what I think think third or in receptions or fourth Uh, in receptions. See, do you when you talk? Yeah, receptions and yards. I always go yards over receptions. Okay, yeah. So Heath is fourth in yards. Yes. Third in receptions. So he's he's right there. Um, But again, he's not in this conversation because he's a tight end. Why, true wide receiver. I mean, the three that it comes down to is Stallworth, yep. Lips, and Swan. Yep. Let's be real about it. That's it. That's what it comes down to. That is exactly what it comes down to. Arthur Motes, where are you going? I'm going Stallworth. I'm going longevity. I'm going legit impact. I'm going to Big Daddy. And we know Stallworth, man. When you look at his numbers, they back it up. Mm-hmm. 8,700 yards receiving career. His numbers look like, I mean, they could fit yeah. in today's era almost. No question. Which is insane. No question. I mean, he could score touchdowns. He has 63 of them. Going to get you the catches that you need. But then also the thing that I love is, like I said, the longevity. When we talk about Swan, Swan was dominant without a doubt. But Swan played in, I think, almost 50 less games Mm -hmm. than Stallworth. Mm -hmm. For me, I need the longevity. For me, I need consistency, steady Eddie. That's what I need. And now Louis Lips. Without a doubt, Louis Lips was balling. But – I still think Louie is in a tier below those guys in terms of your Stallworths and your Swans. And that's why, for me, I'm going Stallworth. So, Motsi, you like this. I told you, when I sat down this morning, right, and, I, and as I was, getting, and, and, I was putting these oh, lists together. And a side note, Louie has a lot of fumbles. I think he had 21 career fumbles. Really? Yeah, I, 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 I need boss security. Oh, wow, you're right. He does, 21 yes. career fumbles. I, I need boss security. Yeah. And that was in... Uh, 108 games, games versus yeah. Stallworth in 165 games mm-hmm. had 15 fumbles. AB at 130 games, 15 fumbles. Yep. Uh, Hans Ward at 217 games, 14 fumbles. Lynn Swan, 116 games, 11 fumbles. For me, I need ball security, baby. How about Heath Miller, 168 games, only eight fumbles? Heath. I like it. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Too. And again, all, you got to look at all these factors and, and, and bring all these things into consideration. Mm-hmm. When I again, when I was putting, when I was doing some research this morning, Motsi, I did not think I would have John Stallworth third on my list. Right? I always thought Lynn Swan. Mm. Lynn Swan was the bigger name. He, he was definitely the, the name. He made the diving acrobatic catches. He's Mr. USC, right? Mr. Southern California. He's run for political office, and governor, and all that here in Pennsylvania before. You know that? I didn't know he ran for that. Yeah. You didn't know that? Did he win? He did not win. How are you not going to vote for Swan? Well, I was, I think, like 14 years old, so I wasn't voting. Don't blame it on me. He's been athletic director at USC. He's just just a bigger name than John Stallworth. And for that reason, this morning when I sat down, I was like, oh, yeah, it got to be Lynn Swan, right? No, I'm with you. It's Stallworth, for sure. Um, Both Hall of Famers, Mm -hmm. right? And, yes, I I get it. Lynn Swan does have the Super Bowl MVP that Stallworth doesn't have. 
Uh, both were uh, all pros once, both three-time pro bowlers. But I'm with you. If you just look at the numbers, he's got more receptions, does Stallworth, by a nice chunk. He's got 3,000 more yards almost, and he's got 12 more touchdowns. Yeah, I, I give Stallworth the, the edge over Lin Swan. Without a doubt, man. Without All right. a doubt. And like I said, I need, I need longevity. I need a guy who, yeah. who's going to be out there game after game after game after game. So we've talked about Stallworth and Swan and Louis Lips. Now here's the final question as it relates to this, Arthur Motes. Of the shorter tenured guys here in Pittsburgh, right? Plexico Burris, Mike Wallace, Santonio Holmes. I guess you could even throw Juju, you know, three years with Juju at this point. Of those guys, who's at the top of the list for you? And you could hmm. This is different. I guess for it's harder to evaluate Plex because are you evaluating just what they did in Pittsburgh or, or their entire career? Wait, I mean same could be made for Mike Wallace too, right? Right. And I guess San Antonio in a way, but he had the best of his career here yeah, in Pittsburgh. Yes. In terms of pure talent, I think Plex. But in terms of what they accomplished in Pittsburgh, I think it's it's San Antonio, San Antonio pretty handily there. Well, yeah, I mean, San Antonio, he's, Super Bowl you know, MVP, the yeah. moment in the back of the end Absolutely. zone. Absolutely. Come on, baby. He was clutching so many big playoff moments, not just Turn that Super time, Bowl. baby. You know how that goes. Yeah. And <laughs> – in four years with the Steelers, I mean, you look at his numbers, they were outstanding. Almost 4,000 receiving yards, 20 touchdowns. Oh, man. Over 230 receptions, a 56% catch percentage when targeted. Man, I miss Antonio. Oh, I miss yeah. that guy. Tone time's different. Tone time was different. I guess we could put him, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders had some nice numbers in, in, in his Steelers career. But tone, tone time over plaques, though. Again, are we talking uh, what they accomplished in Pittsburgh or entire career? I mean, because when we're looking at just what they did in Pittsburgh. It's tone. Even though Plax had Plax had more yards and saying. less time. Yeah. He had more touchdowns and less That's time. That's what I'm saying. Man, I, I understand. I understand. That boy Plax was a problem. <laughs> tone got the bigger moment. I got that. But from a statistical standpoint, and we're only talking mm. a, a one-season difference. 15 games different. That's it. Mm. One-season difference. Hmm. Listen, now, you know I'm already um, – my my listen, kind it, of objectivity is compromised Plex, here because Plex last week I told you my love for Santonio. Listen, Plax has almost 100 more receptions than Santonio. Hmm. So let's see here. I just pulled this up. Right? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I read that wrong. I'm looking at targets. From a catch standpoint, Plax is 30 catches more. Essentially 30 catches more. Okay. So, look, I just found this article. Um, back Yards, though, not even. In, back in March. So this was, what, like three, four months ago, Sports Illustrated did mm-hmm. top 10 Steelers receivers. Okay? Mm-hmm. Heinz Ward, one. Mm-hmm. Antonio Brown, two. Stallworth, three. So, hey, we're on the same page up okay, to this point. Okay. Swan, four. Okay. 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 Louis Lips, five. Okay. Okay. Buddy Dial, six. All right, shout out to Buddy. Okay, and you know what? For looking in the 60s and 50s, his numbers are pretty – 42 touchdowns for a receiver in the 50s and 60s. That's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, you cook. That's pretty good. Yancey Thigpen, seven. Santonio Holmes, eight. Mike Wallace, nine. And Juju, number 10. Then they have Plexico Burris as the honorable mention. Wow. That disrespecting Plex like that. Come on, man. You know Sports Illustrated going for the clicks. <laughs> we know this. 
They have Plexco Burst, Jim Smith, and Antoine Randall L as their next ones out. I don't know. You're right. Looking at Plex, I did not. Plex. I did not think Plex's numbers were that impressive yeah. in Pittsburgh. The only thing that San Antonio has over Plex is touchdowns, 83 to 62. But other than that, like I said, you look at receiving yards, you look at receptions. It's Plex. Shoot, even ball security. Plex only got six fumbles compared to San Antonio's 11 fumbles. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Man, but. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of history, a lot of history at that wide receiver position. All right, so we've decided it. The greatest is Heinz Ward. Mm-hmm. The best is Antonio Brown, mm-hmm. and those two are one and two. John Stallworth's three. Mm-hmm. All right, so you agree? You disagree? You got thoughts? You got reactions? You let us know on Twitter at Wesley Euler, at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. Because again, as we said, Arthur Motes after today. June 15th, the year of our Lord, 2020. We're never having this debate again. Never! Because we're going to settle it once and for all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Get those tweets in. We'll get to them as we wrap up the show. And uh, we've got some breaking NFL news here that we got to get to around the corner as well. So uh, an interesting 45 minutes or so left here on the program. Get those tweets in and keep rocking with us. Inside the Electric Factory, you're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. What? Arthur but now Mose. all of a sudden I can't know who got the Rona because of HIPAA? Arthur Motz is a big HIPAA fan. What? <laughs> wow. So we just pick and choose with HIPAA is a thing now. Yeah. Well, see what you need to and, do. And, is- no, no, and don't, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a no, minute. You and don't get, tell me. You better get I know, it off your chest. Because I know people are going to say, you better get it well, off well, your chest. Well, that's because it, it wasn't a football game. That's why you got HIPAA. Okay, well, what about Jason Pierre-Paul when he blew his fingers off with the firecrackers? <laughs> Please tell me about that. Because I, I, I could have sworn that that didn't happen on a football field. And I know for a fact Adam Schefter tweeted it out. And I remember knowing it like, oh, okay, well, that's what happened. These are the fingers that he lost. This is what a picture looks like. Before JPP could even tell anybody. So please help me understand. Help me understand. While all of a sudden HIPAA applies in this scenario. And we can't know who else got the COVID-19. Whereas in any other situation when it involves athletes in general. Oh, yeah. We know for a fact. Oh, this is injury. That's what he has. Oh, he even has to have surgery on this day. Oh, this the doctor is going to do the surgery. Help me. Please. Not to be critical, Arthur Motes. Uh... You know what you need? It, that just that's see that's why that's why the NHL's got it figured out. Everything's either an upper body injury or a lower body injury. And the NHL definitely does it right in that regard. I, I like that a lot actually. He's up is up body, body injury. That's or it. Lower body injury. Upper body. So, that's it. So wait, would would coronavirus be considered an upper body that's, or a that's, lower yeah, body? Upper respiratory. Upper, upper, upper body. Okay, it's an upper that's body. Upper body injury. injury. Yep. Um, the only reason that we know Zeke is one of them is because um, his agent has has said Correct. that. Correct. Um, and I'm sure that Zeke said, hey agent guy you can release you can that release that's that. fine yeah i wish they would have asked me the multiple multiple times i've been injured hey Hippo. arthur do you want to let people know yeah you go ahead and tell them this you want to let people know i don't even get a chance i gotta i have to race in between my leg about to fall off and, and hey, hey, hey before you send me to the dock let me get my phone i gotta text my wife and my parents because i know y'all gonna leak something within the time i'm back here before i can even go out here and tell my teammates what's going on so so please look, give, give me a second here I think it's unreal, man. Several Cowboys and several Houston Texans, according to Ian Rappaport, have tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, none of those players are believed to have been in their team facilities. The teams followed proper health protocols. 
when I hear that, Arthur Motes, and hey, I don't want to speculate, but I, you and I had been... I thought you do speculate. I only speculate recklessly when it comes to my degenerate tendencies. On I, was say, I thought reckless speculation was your middle name. We need a, we need a reckless speculation uh, warning like uh, sounder here that we can play yeah. like, wee, 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 wee. Arthur Motes and Wesley Euler are about to engage in reckless speculation. Please, dun, dun, dun. please don't take anything they say in the following five minutes too right. seriously. Um... You know this. I was really hopeful that there was going to be some end of June, early July type, you know, mini camp, training camp, mm-hmm. organized activity. Eh, with this news breaking today, because that's at least two weeks again yeah. to kind of reset everything. That's a bummer. It, it, it feels like it's it's going to be training camp before we really get some, you know, some officially official NFL organized workouts. Yeah, but this is my whole. I hope I'm wrong. But this is my whole thing with that. Why can't it be? It's true. Just keep these guys away. Correct, because is that not going to be a similar situation come training camp? Are they not going to test and players the for COVID starts. come training camp? Come the regular season? Are we trying to continue to progress and coexist with this, or are we looking for reasons to go back to the full quarantine, back to phase one vibe, like? Let, let you. This is what I'm trying to figure out. Like, what's the end goal here? And I think that was a, a a conversation that was had even when people were considering starting back up in the first place. All right, what's the protocol? What's the approach? What are we trying to do here? What are we trying to accomplish here? Do we close everything down, or do we treat it like right. any other injury where you just a- got to go on the? It's like a soft tissue injury. Yeah, you sit oh, out for a couple I mean, because this is a job market for me and you, West. Because when you're talking about <laughs> what Arians already said, keeping a guy on the roster, just staying at home, away from it, like. Hey, I, I'm about to audition, okay? So I need to know. Mm-hmm. Like, what's, what's, what are we trying to accomplish here, though, ultimately, man? What, what's the end goal in terms of are we trying to play a full season, practices, everything as normal, or are we trying to treat it where, hey, if this happens, outbreak happens, shut everything down? Yeah, I think that is the biggest question, right? Because, I mean, let's be honest here, this might sound – I don't know if heartless is the right term, but... How could you be so heartless? If you're going to stop everything anytime somebody tests positive, you're not going to have a season. I mean, I mean, right? That's you're, If you want to have a season where people are going to be traveling mm-hmm. and, and people are still at home with their families, going to the grocery store, this and that, you're going to have to anticipate that this is going to happen. Like, like not every single in – in a league that employs literally thousands of people, yeah. you're not going to have clean tests for a whole six months, seven months, eight months. It's just not going to happen. You're going to have to find ways to, you know, keep that train rolling, as Mike Tomlin would say, to, to hop on that moving train and I think not just shut everything down anytime that there are some positive cases. Yeah, that's absolutely the, uh, the case. You're going to treat it like a hamstring injury, collarbone injury – you go on IR when you're ready, to, when you're healthy to be back. You're healthy to be back. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, you would want it in a perfect row to not have to worry about anybody else testing positive for it. But let's be real: once more things open back up, people start getting back accustomed, back comfortable, and being back around each other, of course, you're going to start seeing those spikes. And it's already been showing in some of the states that have decided to, you know, move and proceed to the different phases. That's just a part of life. But like you said, man, what are we trying to accomplish? I think that's the biggest part here, man. Right. Because if we're trying to continue to progress and coexist with it, then, yeah, I don't see why 
this puts a damper on if they were going to try to do a mini camp. It would just Should be have been expecting this, right? It would, it would be the equivalent of if Zeke pulled a hamstring during OTAs, he would miss those two weeks. I mean, it is what it is. So that's kind of like my approach with it, especially so the too. fact that he was asymptomatic as well. I just don't see why, because we're going to have, like I said, the more you test people, the more that the too. numbers are going to show. Because for a while, remember, they were only testing people with symptoms. They were only testing people that were going to the hospitals. But now, with them being able to get more tests. More tests readily available. Correct. Yeah. Then, yeah, you're going to start seeing some a, a lot more people having it just that aren't symptomatic. Yeah. So, I don't really see you know that as the biggest issue right now, per se. I think you're right. I think anybody who thought right that that teams were going to report back and it was going to be sweeping, it was going to be sunshine, negative tests across the board, that butterflies was just, and rainbows. That was just never realistic. And you know, uh, it also came out today because today was the day that um, WVU players reported back to campus for organized football activities. Y'all play football at West Virginia? I don't know. We might have beat some team from. Virginia last year to start this. I, I don't remember. Nice. There uh, might have been. Know we had to get y'all a little charity. There right? might have been a guy on this show who had to sing "Country Roads" as a bet on the. I, I, I'm just I, my memories. That's, that's of, probably my the best y'all of, ever heard that song sound too. I might even still have video on my phone. Hey, man, it's probably the best. There. The best has ever sounded was when I sung it. I was, you know, I was like, you know, fake crying to you during one of our breaks because it came out at like what, like 12:30 ish that a WVU player tested positive for mm-hmm. coronavirus. But as I thought about it more, take me home. <laughs> you got what? A hundred? How many scholarships? Ninety some scholarships on a college on a Division One college football team? Is I that what it is? It was more than a, is it a hundred? Is it a hundred some? Yeah, I think it's a hundred some. Yes, because it's twenty some per class, and you have five classes Correct. with the red shirts. It's right, like one twelve maybe. That's sound three six nine. So then twenty three. Yes, twenty three yes. a year. I it's like one twelve or something like five, that. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. Um. I I am now kind of looking at it as, hey, of, a, of over 100-some kids, right, plus your walk-ons and your preferred walk-ons, only one of them was positive. I'm, mm-hmm. I've kind of come around. Like, that's that's better than expected. Yeah. I'll take it. I just – there's just so but much. But did they test everybody on the team? I believe so. Okay, good. I believe so. Because that's what today – today was supposed to be the testing day to find out if you Because I want to know going practice. forward, like, okay, for a West Virginia who obviously has a bigger budget – but what about the smaller programs, hmm. your mid-major programs? What about Duquesne and RMU? Correct. Yeah. Or, or the different sports that will be starting back up hmm. as well. Because it's not just football that's starting up during this time right. of year. So do the other athletes, they don't get tested? Like, I mean, I think all Is that, a soccer team getting tested? Correct. I think it's Is a lot that goes into the swimming and diving that. team getting tested? Because they're all going to be on campus around the same time. I mean, traditionally, your athletes, y'all come up. About this time. Yeah. yeah. End of July, first week of August, and it's only athletes up there together. Right. So, the so how crazy would it be if we got tested, y'all didn't get tested, and y'all mingling with us? <laughs> that's true. It seems counterproductive. Right. Yeah, it's just so much unknown, and I think that's the, you know, I just want to know that we're going to have football. Yeah. That's all. Well, I just want to know which <laughs> test did they go with. Did they go with the mouse swab? Because oh, I've seen two, but actually I've seen three. So I've seen the crazy deep nose swab. Okay. I've seen the crazy deep down their throat swab. Okay. And then I saw one where they just like barely went inside the cheek gland. If they're doing inside the cheek gland, I can get with that. I can do that one. You're not sticking the, the, the Q-tip all the way down to my, my Adam's apple. I can't have that. You're not about to jab my brain going through my nose. I just can't. I watched The Mummy. They said that's how they mummify. You pull your brains through your nose. Like, hey, I'm good on that. All right? We're not going out like that, baby. <laughs> 
I'm not going out like that either. Uh, no thanks. Hard pass. But yeah, um, hopefully that is you know that's something that these NFL teams I'm sure prepared for and, and ready to roll with the punches and kind of figure that stuff out. Keep it rolling here and and you know we'll see what the next month or so looks like. That's all we can really do at this point. That's all we can do. I think that's babe. that's why it makes it frustrating, right? For a lot of people, is just because it's just so much unknown. I just want to know we're having football back, Mozi. Because football's the chosen one, Mozi. It is. I gotta have my football on Saturdays and Sundays in the fall. Come on, man. Come on, baby. An hour and thirty-five minutes in the books. That means one thing. It's time to come back and wrap up the show on this beautiful Monday mm-hmm. with your tweets. We got a bunch of different ones that we will get to a whole bunch of input on our wide receiver conversation that we've had today. So last chance to get your tweets in if you've still got some questions, comments, concerns. At Wesley Euler at the body 52. The body. Pay the bills here real quick with some commercials, and we'll wrap up the show on the other side. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wrapping up the show, as we always do, with your questions, comments, concerns, reactions on the Twitter.com. Arthur Motes, this is a good one. And I'm excited to hear your take on this one. Our buddy Gregory from all the way out in California asks, Mm -hmm. favorite Mike Tomlin moment. He wants to know both of our favorite Mike Tomlin moments. Arthur Motes, I bet you got some good ones. Jeez, my favorite moment? I mean, I can go down the list. First (laughs) off, it probably is when... um, this is a selfish one right here. This would have been 2015. March. This would have been, what, March 9th? I think free agency opened up on the 10th. Okay. And negotiations had, hadn't gone the way I wanted them to go. I took my hard ball stance after they had said what they had said. Bags were packed. We were going to Atlanta. Coach T calls me up. It's a sunny day. He says, Arthur, come in. I need to talk to you in person. I come on down to the office. And he gives me the full court press in person. <laughs> oh, it was so glorious. Seeing the look on his face, telling me how much he needs me, how he's going to make it right for not me, but for my pregnant wife as well. And then he was a man of his word. I go downstairs to the locker room, chill for a little bit. He comes down there. He's giving me the numbers, this check, which is this good enough? I'm like, I need a little more icing on top. And he's like, I got that. Here you go. Mm-hmm. That probably was my favorite moment. I'm not going to lie because it changed my life. I like yeah, that. It changed my life. I like that. And That's if it wasn't one. for him, it was not happening because I wasn't answering that phone <laughs> for anybody. In fact, you know how you get that call and certain names pop up, you answer on the first ring? He called, and usually I would answer on the first ring. I contemplated for a while. Wife, you sitting right next to me. I'm like, babe, <laughs> Coach Tomlin calling me. Should I answer it? Do I leave this man on red? It was just ringing. Ring, ring. She's like, yeah, he's got to be calling for a reason. I'm like, I don't know, babe. I told you we weren't talking to him no more. You saw how they treated us. <laughs> She's like, no, nah, answer that phone. I'm glad I did. <laughs> glad I did. It was the best thing ever. But that's probably my favorite moment because for me it symbolized 
number one, that Coach T, regardless of how successful he was, no matter how many players he's coached at the different stages of their career and the different amount of money they have made, if he values you, he wasn't too big to make that phone call to apologize. He wasn't too big to hmm. say, you know what, I dropped the ball here. What can we do to make it right? He wasn't too big to show that humility in that situation because, I mean, it's plenty of coaches that would never have done that. I mean, I've had personal experience with those guys. But for him to have done that to me, man, I was like, yo, that's, that's dope. It's different when it happens yes, to you. absolutely. And, yeah. and the fact that I was still – I wasn't easy to deal with at the time. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm we, sure. we were going through it because it, it, things were said, not by him, but organizationally were said that got us to that point where we weren't speaking. And, and like I said, I was definitely being difficult. Without a doubt, I was being <laughs> difficult. Oh, man. Oh, man. A little, little diva action going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. By then, oh, it was full. Because in my mind, I was already a falcon. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so that, you were doing the dirty bird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was already like, yo, yo. I told you. I, I think I've told you this off the mic, but. By then, once I, because I had already agreed upon a deal in principle during the like free tampering period. Right. So in my mind, I was already courtside, rolling on my wrist, sitting next to two chains at the Hawks game. Like that's where I was. Period. <laughs> so by the time Coach T calls, he's trying to talk me back. I'm like, whoa, big fella, Hold wait on, a big minute. Fella. And I'm then like the, the prom queen now. Yeah. You got to do some begging. And then and then even coming into his office, usually when I'm in his office, it's, it's two conversations <laughs> they had. It's either the, the, the end of the year conversation, which you did good, which you didn't do good, or it's the conversation of, hey, Moats, we're going this direction. I understand that you never say this, but this is what we're doing. Some things aren't in your control. It was one or the other. So this time it was a little different walking in there. Miss, I was feeling Mr. Big Chest. Then he called me Mr. Big Chest. Hey, what's <laughs> numbers on the table? And it can't be equal. Remember, Coach T, you told me that you told me this yourself. It's got to be million dollar differences to make it, you know, even considerable. So keep that same energy. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's why I was there with it. Keep the same energy. You tell the coach to keep that same energy. <laughs> hey, hey, this is on the table. So you got to make it right. You got to make it where I'm like, hey, you know what? We'll leave that because this is that much better. <laughs> That's all I'm saying, baby. But he did, man. So for me, that's that's number one. Now, probably my second one was when he told me to cut my eyelids off, and I was like, "What the heck?" <laughs> yeah, we're, we're sitting in a uh, we're sitting in a, the team hotel night before the game. This would have been this might have been that fifteen season as well because that's when we went on that slump. We had three four games in a row, <laughs> and we had just I think we had just lost to Dallas maybe, and we had to win this next game to get back on the get back on the right side of the thing. And he's coming in there. He has his little coffee mug. He always has – and it's the hotel coffee mug, not a Starbucks cup. <laughs> not, not like the generic, yep. like, just diner-style coffee mug. Like the Dixie coffee yes, mug. Yes, yes. <laughs> so he has that, and it's, like, miniature size. I'm like, Coach T, I've seen you with this the whole night. It's no way it's any coffee left in there. It's not four hours of coffee in that thing. It's maybe 20 minutes of coffee in that thing. But he still had this cup. That's his thing. And he's talking. <laughs> and he's like, hey, man, you know, it's times like this. Well, I like to think back to the Godfather, and we'd have to, you know, go to the mattresses. And you know what that means. That's when everybody's like trying to kill us, man. It's not looking good for us. We got to get the matches. We got to bunk up. We got to stay hard. We got to do it together. So that's what we got to do. We got to go to the matches. And after that, man, cut your eyelids off. And I'm a reset, and I was like, yo, this man has lost his mind. Because <laughs> in my mind, I'm literal with it. I'm like, dude, he really he is like, don't blink. I would off. cut my eyelids off. My oh, this guy's really there. This is crazy. I love it. So that 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 right there, those two moments, yeah. 
because first of all, I love Godfather, and I know the scene he's talking about. Go, we got to go to the matches where all the gangsters they get the matches. They sleep in the same house mm-hmm. because dudes are getting whacked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's like, "Yo, that's what we're at right now. Everybody's trying to get us. We didn't got hit too many times right now. We got to go to the matches. We, we got to get that." And he's like, "Yo, we got to cut our eyelids off too, man. We can't be blinking in this situation. We got to be full steam ahead." And I'm like. Dude, you know how Coach Tomlin gets it in when he's going, man. You just feel the energy. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, wh- wh- which one are we running through today? All right, where are we going? I don't even care no more. Let's go my get it. My eyelids are cut off. Yeah, I can't blink. My eyes drying out. It don't matter. Get the visine. Let's go. So, yeah, those are my two moments. Those are pretty good. I mean, those so, are. Sorry for being a little long. Those, no, it's all right. We got time. We ain't got nothing but time, baby. Those are those are good. And that's why, hey, that's why the power grid loves you. They, <laughs> you get that peel behind the curtain. Um. I yeah, every time I go to a, a Mike Tomlin Tuesday press conference is always my. I mean, just the way that he shuts down some of the goofy questions that he gets, the way that he cracks jokes, right? Like, hey, we've had red paint, we're painting our barn red, but we might have yellow paint this week, so we're gonna have to paint that thing yellow. But like, whatever you do, never with a broad brush. But never with a broad brush. I just love to like Mozart. I remember one time last year he got asked about why haven't you brought in Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. for a workout? And just the look on his face was incredible. Our our buddy. Hey, I, I hope if he's listening right now, I'm not throwing him under the bus with this. But our buddy Brian Backo, mm. after the uh, the first Ravens game, yes, um, when because right that was when Mason Rudolph with he the got, Earl he Thomas got hit out. and yeah. he and he walked out like the cart that couldn't get the cart to work yes. right. So uh, our buddy Brian Backo asks Mike Tomlin in the post game press conference about, hey Mike, why wasn't the cart working? What was going on with the cart? And this look that Mike shot back at <laughs> Coach Tomlin. <laughs> He goes, oh, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't deal with carts and things of that nature. Yep. Ask somebody else. <laughs> so really, any just any time he's like cracked jokes in, in his press conferences, um, certainly. Arthur Motes, I loved it in 2009 when Willie Parker was upset. And this was a little before your time. But in 2009 when Willie Parker was upset and Mike Tomlin said, every day I walk past five Lombardi trophies. I don't walk past five rushing titles. Mm. I thought that was just an incredible. That was an incredible, Jeez. an incredible. And he was only in his second or third year as a head coach. Then that's what he had him with. And your offensive star player is complaining, and you that's come, what he and had you him come with? out with every day I walk past five Lombardi trophies, not five rushing titles. Wow! I thought that took some stones. But my favorite, uh, Creep. my favorite Mike Tomlin moment, actually, Moats. This, and I'm gonna be, I'm gonna go way, uh, way off the grid here. Mm-hmm. Uh, came in 2012 okay. in Morgantown, West Virginia. I was working as a TV reporter, right? Mm. Sports television reporter. Um, and I was covering a Morgantown high. I think it was Morgantown. There's Morgantown High School and there's University High School. Right. So it was Morgantown High School. And I, can't, I think they were playing University High School still, but it didn't matter. But they sent me to cover this Friday night high school football game, right, for, for, my, for my work. Blaine Stewart was the quarterback mm, okay. of, said, uh, of said Morgantown High School football team. Yes. And it was a few months after his dad had passed away, mm-hmm. you know, surprisingly from the heart attack. Correct. So his dad passed away early in the summer, I believe, like May or June. And then he had his first game of his senior year of high school mm. at the end of August. Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert were there on the sideline That's big time. for Blaine Stewart's first game without his dad his senior year because for those of you who don't know, Bill Stewart gave Mike yes. Tomlin his first coaching opportunity. Um, and so that for me, Mike Tomlin taking the time, the time to drive down to Morgantown when he's a week away from his season starting on a Friday night 
when it's dope. it's football, football, football for him all the time. And honestly, he might have even been, eh, no, because it was done. But I was going to say he might have been coming from Latrobe, but I think training camp would have been over at that point. But to see Mike Tomlin there for Blaine Stewart for a high school kid who was playing his first high school football game without his father, I'll remember that for a long time, Motsi, long time. That Mike Tomlin, he's a good he's a good football coach. He's a good man, and and I remember that one for yeah, sure. That's, that's awesome to hear, man. I like that. All right, let's switch gears here. Let's get back into some goofiness, all right? Now all right, that, okay, now let's that do I it. brought the heavy-hearted stuff in, uh, our buddy Adam Crowley, who sits upstairs, says Antonio Brown as the greatest wide receiver in Steelers history ever. All right, we'll just, we'll just leave him be. Uh, David Heverly, <laughs> the Photoshop extraordinaire, tweets a picture of Lima Swede. Oh, he just, he just had to go there, Wow. He just had that, to that's go what there, we're doing today. Limus? Wow. TC says it's Heinz Ward. He has the record, the Super Bowls, and he had a lot of bums throwing to him until he was almost 30 years old. Big postseason performer, too. That's the he's got the Heinz has the, the big moments, you know, and, and in these discussions, those those shine through. They really do. Yeah. Richard says here, if you want to look at the numbers wide receivers put up, I would say A B or Heinz Ward. Uh, best wide receiver overall that took the whole championship took over whole championship games 82 John Stallworth mm, interesting okay. so see that's again like I always just I think because he was the bigger name and a lot of the off the field stuff I always assumed that it was Lynn Swan but I hear more and more John Stallworth John Stallworth that's my education here Mozi on SNR come on man the lit one Rebecca lit 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 she says definitely Heinz Ward but if AB would have stuck around he would be at the top for sure you were the chosen one. He had a chance. You were the chosen one. He was supposed to be great. Don Juan says, uh, I agree with you guys. It's Heinz and A.B., but could you imagine the numbers that A.B. would have had um, in some of those seasons if he wouldn't have had a few games with Michael Vick or Landry Jones? Could have been the first wide out with a 2,000-yard receiving season in NFL history. Mm. That's true. Yeah. But I think in some ways, too, right, like we said, I think you, a lot of people, you could use that as an argument against A.B. as well, too. Correct. That whenever it wasn't Ben throwing him the ball, he didn't produce as well. But that's an interesting angle by Don Juan there. I didn't think about it that way, too. Boss Fox says, thanks for the show today. I did not want to clean this bathroom, but I got it done while listening. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to help you out, man. Anything. <laughs> Oh, I like it. I like it. And last one here, our buddy Russell. He says, I'm j- I just jumped on the show. Did you guys say Zeke got COVID? Yes. Uh, a few of the Cowboys and the Houston Texans, if you missed that breaking news, tested positive for COVID. Zeke, yes. though, not showing any symptoms. Correct. Very not a- asymptomatic. Asymptomatic, yep. not sick or anything, but he was one of the guys uh, who, who tested positive. So hopefully just, you know, a, a two-week quarantine here or so. And, and, again, no symptoms. So hopefully his health is yeah. – is not compromised or anything uh, and along, in that I, regard. I, I wish they were going, well, like I said, because of HIPAA now that, we're, now that we're abiding by HIPAA in the NFL. But I want to know, did any of the guys have symptoms that tested positive for both the Cowboys and the Texans? Yeah. Because I think that would right. be interesting to know. Was it all know, asymptomatic right. or was it just, you know, these guys thought they were fine, they got tested and it came back correct. You know, positive for correct. And they were like, wait a second, what, yeah, really? I think, I think that's going to be huge, not only – for NFL players, but just mm-hmm. think about as this thing progresses. I mean, are the are we starting to see just more and more symptoms or more and more cases where people aren't showing any type of symptoms? Like, I would like to know that. Sia White wants to know what we think about Carlos Davis and are the backup roles final? You know what, Sia? Those are too mm-hmm. big. I don't want to gloss over those. No, no, no. We're we going to get into that. So tomorrow, Sia, we will get into we that. Can that. Carlos Davis have a realistic chance of seeing the field? Are the backup quarterback roles final? Can you guys speak on those a little bit? We will tomorrow, Co. as well as continue our series of once and for all settling mm-hmm. debates 
What do you think? You like the one that I floated out there earlier? Best defensive unit in Pittsburgh I mean, Steelers history? I, I, I personally, personally, I don't. Besides, personally. besides your crew, personally. what do you want to go with tomorrow? You want to go with something else tomorrow? In my mind, I think I, I low key want to go like best defensive back in Steelers uh, history. We could do best defensive best back linebacker or, or best pass rusher. Because, you know. Ooh, I like it. You see what I mean? Okay, I like it. Yeah. All right, so tomorrow on the program, we will settle once and for all the best yes. pass rusher in Pittsburgh. And Steelers the reason I say pass history. rusher because I know people have said, well, what about LC? I'm like, hey, LC was a 4-3 guy. That's different than a Joey Porter or a Debo. So right. to just or a take Kevin that Green. out, correct, yeah. take that out, we'll just say best pass rusher. I like it. I like it. So that will be our top but, but we are, or just best edge rusher. We'll, we'll say edge rusher. What do you want to do, edge rusher or pass rusher? I think then, pass rusher is more open for interpretation. Well, cause because now, you could still be a tackle. Right, that's what I was going to say. Are we bringing in the, yeah, the game tackles? Can still be in exactly. that conversation? Yeah, okay. I think so. So best pass right. rusher in Pittsburgh Steelers history. That's on the table tomorrow. Oh, man. You so, got to be going now. So we'll talk the ends then. Same time, it's always high noon, and you know where to find us. On your 24-7 home of the black and gold, Steeler Nation Radio.